the old windows had pictures, as you know, and they told a story. And when children were at mass and weren't behaving, the, I know myself from my childhood, was told, look what's happening up in that window up there, and that's a story. There's no story now, we have to make up a story. It's beautiful. There's, there's a lot of a change. That's all I have to say. There's a lot of a change. The first impression of 100-year-old Larry Nolan after visiting the newly refurbished St Mel's Cathedral last October. For years, Larry stoked the fires in the furnaces under St Mel's. The cathedral has just opened its doors for the first time in five years. The landmark building has been at the heart of the community for 150 years. I have been in the choir since I was in sixth class, which was a long time ago. That was when I was about 12. And I'm 65 now, so it's a long time ago. It's over 45 years, I think. I love to sing in the church. I think music makes mass for me. I just love the choir. I love this particular choir. I think it's a really good choir. On Christmas morning 2009, Longford people woke to the news that their beloved cathedral was burning to the ground. The last time choir members like Josie Canning and Carmel Dolan performed there was just hours before the fire broke out. 2009, that was the night of the fire. We had a terrific mass that year and uh, we were on high when we left. It was superb, absolutely. Even up in, the, up in the gallery, we could hear it and feel it, the music coming back to us. It was fabulous. That, that particular night was a great night. I remember spending most of the time just looking around and admiring it. The cathedral that night was as close to perfection as we could have gotten. And people were just happy. There was a beautiful Christmas atmosphere because there was snow on the ground, it was frosty, it was just perfection. Little did photographer Tiernan Dolan know that night that for the next five years he would take tens of thousands of pictures of its charred interior cataloguing the largest restoration project of its kind in Western Europe. Well, Jerry, how's life? I have official materials for you. Good man. Jerry Riley is the sacristan at St Mel's, just the eighth person in that job in the cathedral's long history. St Mel's, just we say Christmas Eve or Christmas night, you have the big crowd, but afterwards when it's empty, it's even better. Because the silence, I can't really describe it, but you just need to be there, you know. And you could sit in it and think of all the people that left and think of all the people that came in during the day for confessions and the whole razzmatazz that goes with Christmas, you know. And then it all comes down to just earthly silence, you know. Jerry did that night what he has done hundreds of times before. The lock-up was the same as normal. We'd allow the priests and Bishop Column go down the front and meet all the people. And Normally, I'd, 15 minutes after that, I'd run around and we'd close up. And I had my own way of checking things down and knocking things away. And that was my 10th Christmas there. 
And normally I'd lock up on my own, but for some reason one of the priests stayed with me and the two of us left together at a quarter to twelve and I locked that back door. And I went out and I met Father Healy and he was delighted with everything. Everything went very well, the ceremonies were beautiful, the servers were great, none of them talked during Mass. It was a massive crowd and there was a fierce goodwill feeling and the snow on the ground and everything added to the whole thing. So I said goodnight, I'll see you in the morning and we were looking forward to the busiest day of our year, which is Christmas Day, it's a real busy day. So I went home, and normally in our house, go home to my wife Mary, and uh, we sit down, and it's gas too. We watch the end of the Mass on television of the Pro Cathedral in Dublin. You become a junkie to this game, right? And we tipped to bed around half one, and I set my clock for around 20 to 7 because it's a busy day, and you need to get in early, and you need to get ahead of the crowd. At 5am on Christmas morning, the fire took hold in a chimney at the rear of the cathedral. At half five, my phone rang and I looked at it and it was one of the priests and I said straight away, a robbery. I thought they might have hit the money and I says, it'd be so simple if it was, it would have been only money. And he says to me, you better come up quick, he says, the cathedral on fire. And I says to him, is it bad? And he said, all the windows are gone in the back, it's bad. From where I live in Bannon Terrace, the cathedral is really in our back garden. And when I looked out my back window, the whole of the back of the building was, it wasn't red, it was orange. And I ran up Mel's Road, and the silence of the morning, but you could hear the roar of that fire, just the solid roar of it. And got up the street and the fire brigade were there and they're all local fellas and I know a lot of them and they were there and the priests were there and she's like, you know, what could you say? And we were wondering, was it gone into the roof at that stage? It was only at the back and it hadn't shown itself through the roof. It hadn't shown itself through the main body, you know. And I knew well from the forest of timber that was in that roof that if it got in there, it was over, you know. And from that then till morning, you were sort of... It was like being it was like being in a hospital watching the death of a cross relative. You know, if you're ever in that situation or a good friend, you know, when they'd be dying and they'd be passing away. It was very, very similar. And by God it was it wasn't good. It was savage. It was literally savage. following morning I was called phone call to say that the cathedral was on fire hopped out of bed looked out my window which is near the cathedral but I couldn't see any flames because they were blowing in the opposite direction to my house and I couldn't believe it so I had to get up and go in and see and it was a cold and frosty morning and I remember there were people there and I just couldn't believe what had happened we were all in tears unbelievable with the frost and then the rain came and it was just a miserable morning then to see the the church was was nearly gone when I got there 
Actually, the roof had caved in when I got there. It seemed to be very rapid. I think I was just very upset at the time, thinking, are we ever going to sing in there again? And uh, we'd lost all our music. Every scrap of music we had going way back, back to, I don't know, any secrets time or before it even. Um, that was all gone. It was gut-wrenching. Tiernan Dolan rushed to the scene with his camera. There was a guard there. I'll never forget her. There were blue flashing lights. The orange-red lights were just jumping up. In, of the flames were jumping into the sky. There were sparks going up into the sky. She was stunned. The guard was stunned. I was stunned. Then more people came. People were just speechless. Later on in the morning, people who came actually cried. But people came stood and stood in silence and were just not, you know, shaking their heads in disbelief. Well, my heart stopped. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was one part of it, that I didn't, I didn't think it was the full cathedral until I went down about half past seven or quarter to eight. What about you, Sheila? How, how did you hear? I actually heard it on the news headlines that St Mel's Cathedral in Longford is on fire. And you know, sometimes you actually think you're dreaming. Priceless stained glass windows have already been destroyed and the diocesan museum. Gardaí have commenced an investigation as locals come to terms with their loss on Christmas Day. It's very upset. Yeah. It's really, really upset. Yeah. It's our pride and joy here. Then the people started texting and we realised it was true. And uh, I actually went down quite early to see it all. I couldn't believe it. The whole family walked down. I mean, I was crying as if I had lost a family member. It was that bad. It was a ferocious kick then to see the flames. It was, it was terrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. And it was personal. Like, so many people had so many associations with it. I'm one of those people. I was baptised in the cathedral, confirmed there. I was an altar server as a young boy and during that time got to know the building very well. For most Longfordians, regardless of their religion, the cathedral means something. A Gorda investigation has begun into this morning's fire at St Mel's Cathedral in Longford Town. The building was extensively damaged in the fire, which firefighters are still trying to bring under control, and flames of up to 20 metres were seen coming from the roof. It's understood the fire broke out at 5 o'clock this morning. I can vividly recall driving down here, down the Battery Road that morning, and right about here at St John's Church, you can get a view of the back of St Mel's Cathedral, and only then could I see the flames pouring from the back of the building, and... It hit me at that point and a tear came into my eye and minutes later when I arrived at the cathedral I realised that I was only one of a few people who had the same emotion because 40-50 people were standing absolutely awestruck and crying as they realised that despite the huge effort of the firemen working at the scene the building couldn't be saved. It was really, really obvious even that early in the morning. Despite the enormity of what had happened, the parish prepared for Mass on one of the most important days in the Christian calendar. As crews of firemen fought the blaze, across the street the community gathered for Christmas Day Mass. Praise 
anyway, so we got on with it anyway, and we worked our way through it. And I remember going over to the Temperance Hall at 10 o'clock, and I met Donald Daly, the caretaker there, <laughs> and he was putting out the chairs, and I says, Donald, what are you at? And he says, oh, Father, he says, we have to get ready for Mass. And that was it, we were into it, and we got ready for half 11 Mass, and I don't know how Bishop Colin Riley, he went in there and he said Mass at half 11, and I don't know how he done it. The choir rallied that morning, and we got together and sang a Mass in the Temperance Hall without any music, as much as we could remember. We sang as much as we could, and we sang a hymn by Father Tommy Devine called Our Own Saint Mel. Uh, it was very poignant. I think it was very upsetting for us all just to be standing there singing and wondering where would we sing next or what would happen next. They did a marvellous job. Isn't that true, Sheila? It is. They did. Yes, we fairness, sang in the Temperance Hall you know, the next we day. We sang that morning on the stage. And we were crying around. and singing we were at crying, the same time. Looking down at our priests crying. Mm. So, I mean, that was hardship, really and truly heartbreak. How are you? How are you doing, Frank? Photographer Tiernan Dolan knows the cathedral better than most. We're standing just outside Keown's Terrace in the middle of Longford Town. This is where I grew up, right smack, directly opposite St Mel's Cathedral. So when you woke up in the morning as a boy, the first thing you saw? Looked out the window and you saw the, we call it the spire, nowadays we call it the campanile, we're getting more sophisticated. But it was just outside of the window. Fantastic, a fantastic thing to be looking out onto altogether. You could hear the chimes every 15 minutes. You didn't have to have a watch. And then on the hour, it bonged out 1 to 12. Fantastic. The bells were magical, and there was even a song taken out afterwards called The Bells of St. Mel's. So, yes, the bells were special. I think in Longford, we don't have an awful lot that is very, very special. For us, the cathedral was Longford. It's like if the people of Cashel lost the Rock of Cashel. It is the most important building in the entire county, let alone the town. And it's more than just a building. It's where everybody was baptised. It's where people made a First Holy Communion, where people got married, and, of course, funerals there as well. It's where the whole social life of Longford actually revolved around the cathedral. Um, it was the heart of the town. The limestone building dominates the Longford skyline. Today, its reconstruction has cost tens of millions. During the 19th century, it was one of the largest building projects undertaken by the Catholic Church. You can see it from everywhere, from all sides when you're coming into Longford. I lived in New Ross years ago, and when we used to come to Longford out to the Athlone Road, the kids used to shout, there's Granny's Bells, you know, because they could see it from a distance. We've missed them quite a bit. The new ones are back. They don't sound the same, mind you, but it's nice to hear them uh, again ringing out, but it's a totally different sound. It was just part
part of part of growing up. And I remember you'd be running home. We used to go home for, from school for lunch and things like that. And you'd be watching the quarter past and the half to run and get to school in time. And just part of and the various hymns at different times of the year. It was, I really missed them a lot. Thrilled to see them back or to hear them back. There are many people in Longford Town itself who would never look at a clock in the house because yes. they had the That's chimes. Right. That's yes. right. Yeah. And they're quite mellow, the lovely mellow sound mm. attached to them. When we were children, we wouldn't do yeah. all of it watches. I mean, we certainly wouldn't no, have had a watch. We have so you, got to, you know, yeah. so you definitely did. You did, you did um, listen to them. It's an inspirational building, and it's there over 150 years, and there's a lot of family history there. And as I do say, every family in the parish gets a chance to sit in that front seat. Nobody escapes, and... You know, I met you there before yourself mm. with your own family mm. and I meet several families there and it's a strange type of a place in that we could have a funeral at 11 in the cathedral in the old days and everyone would be crying and we'd go out the door with the remains and one o'clock we could have a wedding and another family in and we'd be laughing and joking and taking photographs and all the rulia boolia that goes at a wedding and then that evening again at half six we could have a removal and another family in, in, in despair, you know. And all that family history is tied up in those seats and those pillars and those walls. And those people remember, you know, and remember those days, you know, that they brought their, whatever, the father might have brought his daughter in to marry Mr X at the top mm. of the altar, and he'll always remember that day, and he might have brought his daughter in to be brought out to Valley McCormick graveyard, you know. And he might have brought the same child in to be baptised there. And even though maybe... Families mightn't be that religious or that. They're still, they still have memories and they still have feelings. And all those feelings are tied up in that building. And it's a building that was alive seven days a week, you know. It really was the temple of prayer, you know, in the town. The devastating fire that broke out there before five o'clock this morning has now destroyed the roof and gutted the building. I'm devastated by what has happened. And I'm highly emotional. I'm 40 years here working in the cathedral. It's part of my life, and it's the part of the life of this town of Longford. The blaze began in an area behind... Bishop Colm O'Reilly retired some years after the fire. His successor, Francis Duffy, hasn't yet celebrated Mass in his own diocesan cathedral. I came here just over a year ago uh, to a diocese that didn't have a cathedral. And I also came as someone who had watched the fire on Christmas Day on television in 2009. It will take several weeks before the full scale of the damage caused by this fire can be estimated. But the Bishop of Arda and Clonmacnoy said this morning that St Mel's Cathedral will be restored. Kira Malouli, RTE News, Longford. I was thinking at the time, uh, watching the, the images of the flames and the smoke coming out of the cathedral, and then Bishop Colm O'Reilly came on and said that they would rebuild. And I thought, uh, it must be an awful job to be a bishop, but it must be an even worse job to be a bishop with a cathedral on fire and facing the prospect of a rebuild over many years. So uh, here I am now in that very same position uh, in Ireland, Flamank Noyce. Each weekend, the gym at St Mel's College becomes the cathedral centre. For the past five years, a large parish has been operating within the grounds of a diocesan college, both coexisting with relative ease. Hey, young master. Hiya. What's your name? Dean. Well, I met you on the road the other day. Yeah. Doesn't it go to the front of the bar? Dean, yeah. Isn't that all right? 
Well, it's a bit funny at the because the hood is a bit funny at the back. Is it? Yeah. So which one? Pull pull the hood through. Yeah. Try it that way. Did you never serve us before? I did, but I just keep forgetting about which way to put it. Ah, I see. Oh, that's not better. That seems better, all right, Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit big for you, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks very much, young man. You're welcome. You're very good. God bless you. Well, we're back this morning at St. Mel's Cathedral Centre, which is the gymnasium of St. Mel's College, where Masses have been held since about a month after the fire. And this is the second last Sunday that Sunday Mass will be held here. And hundreds of people have been pouring into the Cathedral Centre over the past 15 or 20 minutes. And Father Tony Galhuli is the celebrant today. And it's an unusual situation for him. He's a new priest, and so he has never celebrated Mass in the Cathedral he has only known the Cathedral Centre as the place of worship in Longford Town, so it's a slightly unusual uh, situation which he's facing uh, come the opening nights of the Cathedral. Can we stand under the door prayer? <coughs> Just before the final blessing, I would like to thank each of you for coming and praying with me this morning. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your name. Thanks. My name is Tony Gilhooley and uh, I was ordained to the priesthood on the 23rd of June 2013. And when people look at the history of the cathedral, maybe in 50 or 100 years' time, one of the events in history would be the fire in the cathedral in, at Christmas 2009 and the reconstruction of the cathedral, which was a five-year plan. And people, and I like to think that I am in the parish of Longford as a priest in a historic or during a historic time. We have a line in scripture... There's nothing impossible to God. It's in the Annunciation story. And uh, what I thought was, this is a huge task, but there's nothing impossible. The fire was accidental. It took hold in the chimney and made its way into the building through a soot box in the sacristy. For people like Jerry Riley, who held responsibility for large parts of the building, it was a stressful time. It, it was a low time for me and it was a low time for my wife and for everyone, you know. It was, ooh, it was serious stuff, I'll tell you. Did you ever question in your own mind, did I do something wrong? Oh, yes, that was straight away. Straight, straight away, sure, look, you'd be wrecking your head, you know. So afterwards, I was interviewed by insurance people and they did their study and I was interviewed for a long time by the guards. They were doing their study and the insurance people and the guards came back and said that, you know, I was, you know, I was, it wasn't my fault, you know, it was, it was totally an accident, you know, it was an accidental fire. And uh, after that, it was, it was okay for me, but my life didn't settle down till after Easter. When we got over to Easter, with that, after that, it seemed to lift and you knew then you were, we'd be able to get through this thing, you know, even though we were going to spend five years down here and we weren't going to have a cathedral and, you weren't working in the in the sort of grandiose setting of, of that type of a situation, you know. So you just had to stick with it and take it day by day and battle on, you know, and, and don't try and fight the situation, go with it, you know. After some initial delays with planning permission due to objections, work began. The building is full of newly commissioned art, ornate plaster work and modern, sophisticated technology. 
Estimates put the cost of reconstruction at around 30 million euro. Arda and Clonmacnoy's Bishop Francis Duffy stands over that spending. We were obliged by law to restore it as a protected building, beautiful building, but protected. And uh, the vast bulk of the uh, expense has come from the uh, insurance money. The cathedral was insured, and so the, the insurance company paid the insurance money, the cover, to restore it to its original beauty. To people who would question that and would question how the church could spend this amount of money in such a great time of need mm. in the country, what would you say to them? Well, I would say that we, were, we certainly were obliged to restore this cathedral. And as well as that, uh, the money just doesn't disappear into thin air. The money is used to uh, hire people. There were a lot of people employed uh, in the reconstruction project, an awful lot of people, and most of the people who were employed were local people. So the, the money that came from the insurance cover has gone into to a large extent into the local economy. So that was a big plus and a big boon for Longford and the surrounding area that so much money at a time of recession and a time of high unemployment went into the local economy. I think that was a great, uh, I suppose, the silver lining in the dark cloud that, that individuals, that families and that the community benefited financially from the uh, money that was spent on the reconstruction. I think uh, the heritage that's uh, involved in the church, it would be terrible if it wasn't built again as it was, like on the outside anyway, because it is a protected building and it's a, it's a tourist attraction in Longford. Carmel Dolan and other parishioners may be happy to see the money spent, but in addition to the insurance money, a restoration fund contributed to the work. Donations came in from all over the world in the weeks and months after the fire and many local efforts also generated revenue. One local band, the Busy Fingers, even recorded a song to raise funds. A raging fire ripped through its heart as the snow lay on the ground. The mighty bells fell silent, not an echo or a sound. The restoration fund has raised around one million euro. Tiernan Dolan produced Christmas cards each year to help raise some of those funds. It uh, brought in almost €10,000, actually. Over 30,000 cards sold over the few years. And it made almost €22,000 in stamps for the post office as well. <laughs> but I was, again, very fortunate just to have taken a photograph of the cathedral on the 21st of December 2009, three days before the fire. And... Yeah, the cards went literally all over the world and I know from Longford people overseas, some of them framed them, held on to them and this year, thankfully, they're almost sold out again. OK. But did you see the fire when it, Larry, when it, when it happened? October and Paddy Nolan drives his father, Larry, aged 100, to visit the inside of St Mel's Cathedral. Uh, the smoke, the smoke, the smoke. And then you've seen it. And then I saw it. And what did the, you do? It will be the first time he has seen the refurbishment works. Larry used to fuel the furnaces under the cathedral and lived in the shadow of the building on Chapel Street. You were a fireman, weren't you? I was, I was. All his life. I was, believe it. Inside, there's a lot of change for Larry to take in. The windows are modern and full of colour. The altar, Carrera marble, stark and white. The stations of the cross are carved stone. What do you make of that? Uh, I won't say that. 
What do you not like about it? Uh, maybe it's not that we're used to the others. I, I, we are used to the others. It's a bit change. It's a lot of work in that though. Carved by hand. Oh, aye, aye, aye. They're all individual. Oh, that's it. You still don't like it? No. Oh, it's not, not the same as the other one at all. That's what I was saying more. No. Larry's reaction at the stations of the cross was really quite funny because I'm standing at the third station now. This is an artist's interpretation of the stations of the cross, beautifully hand-sculpted and painted and installed in St Mel's. But to see the reaction of somebody who's been, I suppose, coming to Mass here for some time and is used to the traditional fabric of a church, his reaction is probably telling of what most people will think. It's the fire in reverse. It's fire alarms or boat alarms and there's a new sound system and there's a new sanctuary and sacristy is all decked out and new furniture. and It's really, really modern, you know. And there's a fantastic new organ there. People from Italy, they're building this new organ. Brutto attacco. Si, si. E anche la prossima, 57. My name is Francesco Ruffatti. It's uh, custom designed for this cathedral. Like any other organ that we produce, every organ is designed and scaled to the building, both visually and acoustically. If the desire is to have the best quality of sound possible in a building, then one needs to look for a pipe organ, a real pipe organ. How long will this organ last? How how long should it be here? Well, the oldest organ that we have in Italy was, and is still playing every Sunday, was built in 1475. That is about 20 years before Columbus went to America. So an organ can last that long or longer. If nothing happens during all of these centuries, it'll survive. It should be here for a long time. Oh, uh, we surely hope so. What would be easy to forget is just how badly damaged this building was by the fire. The ten large stone columns which run up and down each side of the cathedral, smooth limestone, they've all been entirely replaced and they hold up the main roof of the building. This is all new stone. The first time I came in here after the fire, I stood where I'm standing now and it rained on top of me from outside because the roof was gone and above us now is the beautiful ornate ceiling exactly as it was before. And I can't find anything in this cathedral, which is as it was before, except this. The old money boxes, which are built into the walls, steel money boxes at the bottom of the cathedral. And also, small painting of a crucifix, which used to hang above the candles, which were on the side walls. And it's the only one I can see, because all, practically all of that stone has been replaced. The restoration, I call it Operation Restoration, has been miraculous. It created a miracle, there's no doubt. In just less than two and a half years, after all of the planning, one thing that struck me about the people who were working inside, they had a huge pride in what they were doing. 
you know, every day they're coming to work with smiles. For them, I asked them continuously, what's it like working here? And every per- single man and every single woman said it was a joy, it was a pleasure, and they had such pride in doing it. There was one travelling artisan from England who had just previously worked in Windsor Castle under Queen's Chambers, and I asked him, how does this compare and he just extended his hands and said, I've done sections and bits of roofs and ceilings, but never, but never a full cathedral ceiling. He says, this is special. Okay. of the College Chapel at St Mel's College just right beside the cathedral where Finton Farrelly is taking the cathedral choir for practice and they'll have a really big role to play they don't know I'm here yet so I'm going to enjoy the music for as long as I can We decided um, we're going to sing basically what we sang the night the cathedral burned back in 2009 obviously we're perfecting it and that but um, we thought it was just that night was magical, and uh, so we're going to try and recreate that. The choir are really very excited, but get after such a long time away from the cathedral to, to get back in there. And uh, by all accounts, it's beautiful and will be lovely. So we're looking forward to the sound and the acoustic and being back where we should be. We're looking forward to going back to the cathedral and getting back to what we were used to. The transition will be stark from a, from a school gym to a splendid building perfectly restored. Absolutely. Speaking about the acoustics, we're really, really looking forward to hearing. You know, the acoustics mean a lot to a cathedral choir because we can hear ourselves bouncing back from the walls. You know, in, in song, we can hear the, the tone of, of, of voices. So, um, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. So I leave behind the choir rehearsals now and I'm walking at the front of St Mel's College up towards the cathedral. I want to walk up in the night light to see the new stained glass windows. They're very modern for such an old building. So many new features of this building, which people who've lived out their lives there, they all have to get used to a very, very different building. I think it's, I think it's marvellous. I do. I really think it's marvellous. That's the first time I was in. Since the fire. Uh, yeah. See, I have to say, the whole lot is lovely. That's great. Well, no, no, you and I hear you say that, Larry, I'm a happy well, man. Thanks for the God. <laughs> it is. And so Larry Nolan gives his seal of approval to the new cathedral during our visit there in October when he met the former bishop, Colm O'Reilly, and toured the almost completed building. But isn't it lovely inside? Back again, huh? Better than ever. You think it's better, do you? No, no, it's, it's nice. It's, it's nice. It's nice. Of course, the, the, the old cathedral was, uh, was nice too. Will you go to Midnight Mass? 
Jag vill, jag vill. Jag går, jag vet inte jag vill gå. Ja, det är perfekt. Perfekt. Vad så lovely. Larry Nolan died on the morning of December 14th. He had been to mass in the cathedral center the night before. Larry had been eagerly awaiting the first mass in the new cathedral and was due to bring gifts to the altar at midnight mass. He died just weeks from his 101st birthday before he could see the fully completed interior of St. Mel's. He will be missed at midnight mass. The occasion will be a poignant one, not only for community and clergy, but for the St. Mel's sacristan, Jerry Riley, too. People shouldn't be hard on themselves and be hard on, on the building and let the thing run and enjoy every second of it because we're never going to come through here again, you know. You know, I'm here and I say some days I'm mad about St. Bells and the whole old crack, but I know that... I know that I'm only just a dot and that all I hold is the keys. And in 150 years' time, there'll be someone else here. You know, everyone is, is putting the big emphasis on Christmas 14, but they should, OK, put the emphasis on Christmas 14, but they, they should think ahead and think ahead of 2015 and the great year that we're, we're going to have with that facility back up and running. And, you know, people that, we say, might listen to this in Cork or Kerry and might say, Jesus, where the hell is Longford, you know? But they should take time out during the year and come to the cathedral. And come some day that you know, there mightn't be a mass on or whatever, and come in and just say, you know, what was all the fuss about, you know, and just admire the whole thing and think of all the people in the last 150 years that has gone through all this building and think of the fire and all the hard work that has gone into putting it back together again.